0: Uh, Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. We're going to actually continue on that journey we've been on for some time. In Acts chapter 8 is where we are today. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. And obviously this week is the same, open to the Spirit's leading. But this is part two from last week. So you need to go back and get the message. And we're going to start with today. B is for baptism. Had to make it pretty elementary so we'd understand this. Because so many people in their life said, when we talk about what it means to be a Christian, they say, yeah, I was saved when I was really in college or later in life, but I was baptized when I was a kid. It doesn't work that way. What did God say when the Great Commission is go, make disciples of all the nations, and then do what? After you're saved, what do you do? You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It always comes that way. The Great Commission won't change because you did it differently, because you were baptized or sprinkled or whatever you want to call it. God's not going to change his mind because God has said so, therefore it is so. Amen? So we adjust to God. He didn't, He never adjusts his ways to us. So if you have a copy of today's notes and you'd like to take notes, or if you don't have a copy, raise your hand. I lacked faith and only made 75. So thank you so much. Uh, Mister. Uh, listen, the man has been walking around like trying to, he's giving out flying papers like he's selling the newspaper. Thank you for doing that for me. I had a little faith this morning. I thought everybody would stay home and watch my video. Um, let's take our uh, Bibles to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to pick up in verse 26, and we're going to read through verse 40. Let's read together. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which comes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. And I told you last week I made up South Desert Road. That's where he was at. So he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to do what? What was his main purpose? To worship. He's coming to town to worship under the Old Testament method. You understand? He has the book of Isaiah. We know he has some scrolls. He's a wealthy man. He has some Old Testament scriptures. And I believe he's an Ethiopian Jew. Some people say he's a convert, a, proselyte, a, proselyte, a, a what some, some say he's just straight up Gentile coming into town. But he came to town to worship. So I believe he's actually a believing Jew of the God of the Old Testament. He's going to be introduced to his Redeemer, his Messiah. Let's let's keep on. Verse 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and Come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And all who declare his generation, for his life was taken from the earth. That's Isaiah 53 7 and 8. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, Isaiah 53, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said to him, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. So, and he went on his way rejoicing. So Philip was found in Azotus, or Ashdod, if you have a new translation, that's the same place. And passing through, he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. Now we're going to see some things in the Word of God today. And y'all listen, I haven't watched much news in the last week and a half. Didn't even know there were uh, riots going on until uh, Mackenzie texted me from Thailand and said, hey, what, America's falling apart from my point of view over here in the news. And I said, well, I'll turn on the news and saw some things that were happening. I was blown away by what people are acting, uh, how they're acting, right? But I want to make it very clear today, this is not a skin issue that people are dealing with. That murder of that man, and I believe it was a murder, cause if, what you see. And of course, I always say, wait till all the evidence comes out. But being in the military and knowing some of the moves that you learn, you don't do that to a human uh, longer than uh, enough time to subdue the person and take them down. And once they're in custody, you you let up. So uh, from my point of view, obviously, and don't make a judgment call, I never do that from the pulpit, but it made me sick to my stomach to see that. But when I flipped on the news and saw everything else that everyone else is doing as well, the looting, listen, I told McKenzie, yes, a man was killed in America wrongly. He was murdered. So I'm going to go steal a big screen from Target. Does that make any sense? A man man was killed unjustly, so therefore I'm going to go set everything on fire. I'm going to set the neighborhood grocery store that I buy my groceries from. I'm going to set it on fire because I'm mad. There's ways to actually come to the place. And I want you to understand from the Word of God, people in in the Word of God, even Samaria, the Jews were racist toward the Samaritans because they felt like they were of another race. They were their race plus something else. It's always been that way. I've been to Kenya and Tanzania and Zimbabwe, and I'm telling you, tribe after tribe, white on white in Europe goes against each other. Look at the Russians. L- listen, go, go to Romania, watch and see. Go to anywhere in the, in the continent of, of Africa, and you'll see tribe fighting tribe. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It's your sin color is what the issue is. Mankind is sinful, and therefore mankind will do sinful things. There is no reason for, what's for the foolishness that's going on in our world. And I want you to understand, if you come to the place and look at the Word of God, before I even start today's sermon, I want you to understand, we're talking about Philip, who was a proselyte, right? He, he had actually converted, potentially, to Judaism. he came come to the place that he believed that, uh, that God was the Savior, or, or, or at least his, he kept the, the uh, Old Testament uh, ways. He, he, he killed his uh, animals, he made his sacrifices, and then he comes back and actually learns that he actually, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He's come to the place that he now has received Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, as his only Savior. And we find him in the book, and we look through Acts chapter 6. He came to the place that he was actually chosen by the church as a man full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So he, what, what color was his skin? Potentially light brown. What color is this, uh, this eunuch? Do you know this Ethiopian? His skin was a darker brown or black. We come to the place, and we even see it and we'll get into Romans in just a little bit. Paul's coming to town, right? Saul's going to be converted, and we're going to see some Romans saved, and we're going to see some white people saved. And we go back all the time to the place, no matter who we are, no matter what our stripe is, no matter where we're from, no matter what team we hail from, we come to the place. That, who's our grandpa? Who's your greatest grandpa back, as far as you can remember? It's Adam, and your greatest grandma is Eve. There is one human race. God just had a variety of of colors that he chose to put in all of us. We're all the same human. If you come to the place and see, through the eyes of God, he sees one man, one woman. There's one one humankind. We're, we're just vastly different. Look to your left and right and see if God didn't have a sense of humor and creativity, right? Look around. But we must get to the place that we do not pick a department or we pick a side that we would choose. It makes me sick to my stomach seeing people riot and loot. It makes me sick to my stomach that uh, Uh, white kids get on and talk about white privilege. They don't have a clue. That problem is they are white privilege, right? I call this the plastic generation. Put a little heat to them and they'll melt. They got everything's perfect. Everything's picture perfect. The jeans are ripped just right. The hair's cut just right. Style just right. Your pierce tattoo just right. Everything's just right until the heat comes on and this this generation melts. You know why the problem is? It's their father and their mother did not teach them how to be men and women of God. They taught them how to be consumers of everything that the world offers, is the problem. Think about Philip. What if Philip comes to the place, Lord? You want me to, listen, you've already run me out of Jerusalem. I've already been up to Samaria to those people. And my mom and dad said, don't mess with those people. And now you want me to go to just some random place on South Desert Road. It's 50 miles from Jerusalem all the way down to Gaza. And you just want me to take a walk and somehow do your bidding and do your duty somewhere on that road? I've got to come from Samaria, so it's going to be about 60 miles from me. Where do I meet this guy? Where do I meet this person? Go. Go. Where do I go? South Desert Road. From Jerusalem to Gaza. Which way do I go? It's south, right? You pack up your donkey or whatever you got and you head south. How many of us are willing to do that today? Well, God, I got my house I got to sell. I got my whatever my apartment, my, my car, my, my stuff. We start listening to all the stuff, the blessings. And what we name is the blessings of God that he's given us before we even say, well, I'll do your will. Which is better, to be at your house, at your place, at the place of work, doing what you've always done, making good money and out of the will of God, or be dirt poor in the will of God? Which would you rather have? We'll lie in church today and say, well, I'd rather be in the will of God, be dirt poor, than have all the greatest riches of the world. That is a lie. Because God has called all of us to do something. And you're going to see that in the Word today. God's called every single one of us to take what he's blessed us with and use it for his glory. We've come to the place and said, it's mine. We sang that song just now, and and I've never heard that song before, by the way, Kristen. And I I like some of it, all right? Because he ain't getting better. He's the best. He's getting better to me as I see him, as he reveals himself to me. I go, wow, God is good. Wow, God is supreme. God is over all things. I don't fully understand it, but every time I read his word, he reveals himself to me. I realize another part of God going, wow, I, wow, wow. He just blows my mind. I want you to come to a place and look at the word of God as we see this. Look at the recap from last week. Philip, listen to God. That's the bottom line. Philip, listen with God. And what kind of ears do you need to listen to God with? A heart that is sensitive to God. Turn your direction to the word of God. God's just going to shout. He's not going to send you an angel today everybody's looking for a miracle or a sign and I always feel like putting something out front and have someone build a huge sign I was going to call Dan Williams one time to tell me to build a big sign with a red arrow and it says here's your sign alright Mr. Dan can build anything out of wood here's your sign well, what sign God I'm, if you just give me a sign I'll follow you here's your sign right and I'm mocking the cable guy right I'm not using his words I'm saying everybody's looking for something except God Jehovah God has already spoken. This has been sitting on tables for a couple thousand years, right? Through scrolls and different ways. But how many of these do you have? Every sign you're looking for from God is in your house somewhere, laying under the car seat in the driver's side, shoved under till next week till church time. Your children don't respect the Word of God because you don't respect the Word of God. How many teenagers pick this up on a regular basis? Well, Pastor, I'd rather do it on my phone. No, you had not You'd rather be having your phone so you can read the Word of God, and when a text comes in, you'll actually go over to the text and answer that text. Come back to the Word of God. When something else blips in, you'll go to Facebook or other social media, and you'll check that, and you'll come back to the Word of God, and then there's that song you want to hear. There'll be a phone that rings, and you'll be distracted over and over again. You can't be distracted from the Word of God when you're holding only the Word of God. Thank you for that one amen. You can't be distracted. You have different thoughts. Satan will try to take you away. This is why we teach kids in our school to read the Word of God. This is why we teach in our Bible, uh, in our uh, church, read the Word of God. Put your stupid device away because it's making you stupid. Amen? How many kids just sit around constantly, especially when school's been out? Ugh. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. I've seen more dumb jokes. I've heard more stupid things since kids have been out of school. And I say stupid meaning stupid, and the Bible says stupid, so if you've got issues with that, take it up with God. Stupid is stupid, amen? Well, that's a bad word in our house. It is a bad word, but you're letting your kids sit there and watch that mobile device, or television, or the computer, and it's stupid, church, do you understand that? It is, listen, you, you might not like that, and I might offend you, and I'm so sorry, but go back and read the Proverbs for yourself. Go back and read the wisdom chapters of God. God is speaking today if we would only listen. Philip listened to God, Philip obeyed God, and Philip looked to see where God was at work around him. God, where am I supposed to meet this guy? You want me to come? So he comes from a Jewish town, goes to a people that are mixed people, and now God sent him to this man, potentially, he didn't know who he was going to meet, he sent him to a man who's from Africa, a dark-skinned man. You find it amazing that God, after he, when Jesus was down on the cross, did y'all know that it was a black man that carried a cross? He carried across the cross to Calvary. You find it amazing when God stirs up the church. He sends people all over to Europe and different places and he comes back and he encounters a black man on his way back to Africa. You see how God speaks? He's using the Jewish man to speak to a black man who's going to get the word to the white man. You find it amazing? We have an amazing God. Listen, he, he's colorful. He's an artist. He's whatever that we talk about. He's just simply amazing. Look at the paragraph there. We recognize while God was calling Philip to a specific place, and a specific person riding in a specific chariot. You say, Pastor, how's that? What do he say to do? Go to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we know the road. We know the highway that's going. Go to that road. Where do I go? Go. So he went. How many chariots are moving down the road at this time? Do you know? Me neither. I don't know either. This man's a VIP from Queen Candace. He's over her treasury. Do you think that's an important position? He holds the cash of the queen and all her treasures. Yet he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. He's returning unfulfilled. He didn't have a worship experience. He went there to worship, but he's heard all these stories and things, and now he finds himself in the book of Isaiah 53. And by the way, can you imagine? He's not only the treasurer of Candace, the queen. He's holding the treasury of God, reading about the holiest thing God has to offer, the most valuable thing in heaven that God has to offer, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus Christ. He holds the very text and the very treasure of heaven that he's reading and doesn't understand it. He comes to the place, I want you to see this. Look, it's amazing to see this. Look at, look at actually verse 29. I circled it in my Bible because he's on his way down to the South Desert Road. And then the Spirit said to Philip, what did he say? First word he says to him. In my translation, I am in the New King James. You can read it in the King James NIV. What's the first word he said to him? Go. What is the first word for you and me today as Christians? Go. Make disciples. Where, Lord? Where, Lord? If you're going to Walmart, guess what? That's a go. If you're going to CVS to get your medicine, that's a go. If you're going to the farmer's market, wash your clothes, wherever you're going, that's a go. You say, well, I, well is God going to send me to Ethiopia? He might. But did he send Philip to Ethiopia? Was it God's plan to send Philip to Ethiopia? The answer is no. It was God's plan to send his word to Ethiopia. But he used Philip to encounter an Ethiopian headed down to Ethiopia. You'll see this when the, scripture, when the sermon's over today, I hope, if I get through this. But in 29, he said, go. I circled the word go in my Bible. Go near and overtake. What does your Bible say? This chariot. Which one? This one, not that one, and not that one, this one. Can God be so specific that he knows what road, what place, and what chariot the man's riding on? It wasn't one of the, his servants, because he, he would have, listen, he rolls up, and his chariot probably had all the bling on it, I'm sure, because he's the head dude, right? He's rolling in. He's in charge of the treasury, so his probably shining a little better than everybody else's. I believe he had spinners on his, right? He had something, he had, a, he had a, remember back in the old days, I used to love it when I was a kid, all the cars had like a hood ornament, like I had a horse or had some kind of some brag that that was the kind of car you were driving, y'all remember those, the Oldsmobiles, all the old cars, when I was a kid down in White Pond, I'd go down and visit and everybody would shine that emblem on front, somebody, who knows what I'm talking about, kids, you don't know what I'm talking about, they used to put some big old honking things on the front, Jaguars still used to do it in the 80s and 90s, but they always, it was prominent that what you were driving, every time you drive down the road, you see what you're driving, right? He was proud of what he was driving. I believe that's what this chariot was like. So Philip's courage going, which one? Lord, what do I do? I'm sure Philip's having a conversation. God, I want to honor you. I want to worship you. I worship you, almighty. I don't know if what he was singing, but he was going down the road. Because and, and, he has joy in his heart. You know how I know he has joy? Because he had Jesus. Amen? So here he goes down the road, and God says, listen, go to this chariot. Very specific chariot. He didn't mess up and go to one of the other servants. He went to the man. What does he do? He goes alongside, watch. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? What an insult that would be for prideful people, especially prideful Americans done they don't, don't. Everybody thinks we know everything, don't we, right? We think we know everything, yeah. My English is terrible, I know. We think we know everything. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We always got to say in America, fake it to you. Come on, fake it to you. That's what a lot of people are doing. You can't do that with God. He don't want no fake. He wants to actually to make, make disciples of Jesus Christ, right? There's no faking in that. The place of the scripture was Isaiah 53 and verse 32. You see that, verse 33. He still reads in Isaiah. So the eunuch, and what is the eunuch? It's just a simple man, and and this is I know there's kids in here, but it's a true surgery. There's a man who was castrated. Most kingdoms would do this. They would have a, a eunuch, they would have multiple eunuchs, they would actually stop them from reproducing. So they couldn't be fathers and they couldn't actually go and actually mess with the kingdom. They couldn't set up their own uh, kingdom. So a eunuch was a single person who was either made single. The Bible says a eunuch is made single by mankind. A king or someone in authority would make someone single. By the way, they couldn't have children. Either man made them a eunuch. God often makes people a eunuch. And yet come can full circle, and sometimes it says even man himself can make himself a eunuch to the service of God come to the place and say, who made this eunuch a eunuch? I would say probably Queen Candace and her royals made this man a eunuch because she saw something in him that she trusted, but at the same token, she made sure she, that she trusted him, right? We don't like talking about that, do we? Mankind has always done evil things since the days long past and in the days far into the future as God tarries. This man was set aside. He was an important man. He came to the place that he was worshiping. Listen, if you're single today, you praise God for that. It could be that God has set you apart to be single to do his work. It could be God's wait making you wait so that one day when that day comes, he's got that bride prepared for you or that groom prepared for you. He's got that man or woman prepared for you. Listen, and if you're a woman, by the way, he's got a man prepared for you if he's going to give you one. And if you're a man, he's got a woman prepared for you. Amen? There is no man for man, woman for woman. Listen, that's foolishness and sin from mankind. Amen? Yeah. Amen? You don't have to like that today. Our culture hates that statement. They'll come to the place. and might even cut us off social media, but we're going to preach the word of God. God ordained that there be one man with one woman for life. That was his plan. There's other option when people die. we know under those times of remarriage. We know there's all those different things, but there was one man for one woman. That was God's design. You say, what about King David? Did he have trouble with all those women? Was he a good dad? He was a terrible father. Go back and read. His family was all messed up. How about King Solomon? Supposed to be the wisest man. I believe the word of God, because he was wise in a lot of ways, but he married a thousand women and concubines. God bless his soul, right? I don't think that was a wise choice. And we know it wasn't, because it led him astray. The women, every woman that he married led him far from God, right? That was outside the Jewish uh, uh, faith. You come to the place, look at Abraham. Was he a perfect man? The answer is, no. And you come to the place, and, and if you read past Sarah, or Sarah, you find that Abraham remarried. Abraham was, he was a stud, but he, uh, he, he, he had all kind of different faults. Listen, Abraham was a liar, but he, we sing, sing, we teach our kids. Father Abraham had many sons. I don't know where the daughters are, but the daughters are in that song somewhere, right? We still sing it today and teach our kids because we go back and say that's the, that's the root of our faith. We're grafted into the Jewish family, all of us, because it was God's plan. Let me go down this and show you this. He was also preparing that specific person that's the Ethiopian eunuch and to receive his wonderful message of salvation in Christ alone. That is our message for today. It is only through Christ alone there's no good works to get to heaven. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven except receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the salvation and the forgiveness of your sins. Listen, you come to the place, he has to forgive you. He makes you white as snow. I want you to see these top 10 things that we come up with from the word of God here. Salvation is God's business. He sets the standard by which all people must be saved. Is that true? John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman comes to the Father except through me. That's God's standard. That's God's way. We can't, you say, well, I don't like that. I, I wish there were other ways. Take your wishes and compare them to Scripture, and what do you do? Toss your wishes, right? Anybody pitched a penny before in a well? Or pitched it in, a, in a, some kind of holding place? When you pitch that penny what have you done you've wasted a penny that's exactly right (laughs) you've lost one cent don't waste your money don't waste your time don't waste your what ifs don't waste your i wishes come to the place psalm 37 4 you know what it says delight yourself in the lord and he'll give you what the desires of your heart you say well what if I desire, I've been desiring a Porsche for a long time, realizing God didn't want that. When I found out how much a, an oil change was and how much uh, it cost to change the spark plugs in it, my desires changed drastically quickly. But I always thought they were fast. I told you I had the goal when I went to, I got a chance to go to Germany on a mission trip, and I, I was like, man, I'm finally getting going. I'm going right near where the Autobot is. I am going to rent a Porsche, Ferrari. I don't care what it takes. I'm spending money. I'm going to spend it, because I always loved to go fast when I was a kid. I'm going to spend whatever it takes, and I'm going to rent one of the fastest cars I can get, and I'm going to unload it on the Audubon as fast as I can. I'm just going to unload it. I'm going to hit 200 because I've always wanted to do that. Now, I'm being foolish. That was my thought. Now, I'm a preacher. I'm still being foolish as a preacher, right? I'm thinking, I'm going to go there. It's going to be awesome. God, in his wisdom, put me in the back of a Ford Aerostar van. (laughs) That's the only time I got on the Audubon was in the back of a Ford, raggedy Ford Aerostar van doing 55 miles an hour. Lord, what are you doing? And there were Porsches and other cars whoosh, coming by us. So I'm like, but watch your desires, right? You got to change them. When I found out how much it costs to change those smart plugs, I'm like, keep on going. You can drive that car, right? Pastor don't have that kind of money. So I want you to know that sometimes I got on the Audubon like I asked. So I was ready to do it, but man, I was so disappointed, so disappointed. But I have gotten over it. It's only been a few years. So all right. Salvation is God's business. He says so in John 14, 6 and other places in the scripture. Number two, God was calling Philip. Here's what, This is very important for you and me today. God was calling Philip to obedience, but yet he was calling the Ethiopian to salvation. You see the different thing? Can he use one encounter, one divine appointment, and do two different things? Yeah, God can do ten different things, right? Some people read this and say, well, I've never been saved. God could be calling Philip to obedience, the Ethiopian to salvation, and be speaking to me and you or thousands of people around the world with that same scripture and bring people to repentance. Do you see what God does? Because he's above all things. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's the God that we serve. Number three, Philip asked, "What's this, this is important. Biblical questions. Biblical questions. Philip was prepared for his divine appointment. How did he prepare? Did he cram the night before? Pastor, I got this lost friend, and would you come over and share the gospel with him? You ever hear that? If you've ever said that to me, listen. I always say I try say yes if I can, but who should be sharing the gospel? We're not professionals. Pastors aren't professionals. We're just men of God who's been called and set apart by God to do a specific vocation. Who is the minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do me a favor and raise your hand if you're a Christian. You are the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are responsible for going and making disciples. You are responsible to come to the place and see that those people are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You are responsible for teaching them all things that Jesus taught his disciples. And how do you learn that? By opening your Bible and reading. Say, Lord, would you reveal to me what you want me to do, what you want me to say. You must be prepared. Philip was not a preacher. Philip was, he was chosen by, as a deacon. But what did God use him as? Because you'll see later, in, by the way, he, we see him again later in Acts, and then he disappears. He was, he was called to be a deacon initially, and we see the qualifications of a deacon, do we not, in Scripture? A deacon has responsibilities, a deacon has a charge. And by the way, the deacon is blessed if he uses his office for godly purposes. Do you read that? The deacon has a special blessing in heaven if he uses his office righteously. That's from the Word of God. That's what Paul wrote down. That's what God told Paul. Write this and Paul wrote it and today we still have that same word. And that's the guidelines by which we choose deacons. A man full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Knowing that that man uses that office, well, listen, he uses it well. He uses it righteously. There's a special blessing in heaven only deacons get. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I just read it and I believe it because God has said it. Amen? So we take God in His Word. Philip asked biblical questions. He just said, hey, Hey, how's things down in Ethiopia? <laughs> Dry, right? What is this man in the chariot? What's he? He's in a deep conviction. He went to worship. He saw the turmoil in Jerusalem because all this stuff that's happened. He's coming back, and he's coming back empty. This man has questions. He don't want to talk about the weather. He don't want to talk about the chariot. He don't want to talk about Queen Candace's riches. What does he want? He wants the truth. He wants the truth from the Word of God, not just, listen, all truth is God's truth, amen? But he wants the truth. He wants to know how to know him. He wants to know how to worship. So Philip asked biblical questions. He didn't say, what church do you go to? You go to church? That's, don't we start that way? And today, somehow, the devil has snuck into the church and taught all of us through all these different people who are, I don't use the word liberal, moderate, or conservative, I have used the word biblical or non-biblical there's a whole bunch of non-biblical people writing books for Christians to read. And Christians are spending more time reading those books than they are reading the Bible, the book. We've come to the place, listen, simply says, well, you've got to be a friend to somebody. You've got to be friendships before you accept Christ. Before they'll ever come to Christ, you've got to be their friend. One question on that. Was Philip the friend of this Ethiopian? Come on, yes or no? No, he didn't know who he was. He had no idea who God was. On the count of three, we're going to reveal. You ever done that? A revelation. By the way, if you hear a balloon pop, there's a balloon arch or something's back here. So if you hear a balloon pop, no one's shooting. I checked it. And the sun is beaming through. Whoever's responsible for that. uh, If it pops, you'll hear something from that direction. So don't run, okay? We do have security out today, but I meant to tell you that when I started. Because that sun's beaming in. It's going to pop a balloon eventually, hopefully. Uh, They'll go slow, not loud. But Philip asked biblical questions. He didn't discuss what church you go to. He didn't come to the place to discuss doctrine. He didn't come to the place where he was going to actually come in and want to fight about, uh, are you baptized by sprinkling? Listen, because he's going to get to that, right? He's going to come straight to it. He didn't even argue over holy water. Watch this. You'll see he asked biblical questions. Philip was prepared for his divine appointment. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Let me ask you this simple, simple question today. Don't raise your hand, because I don't want to embarrass you. It's not my goal. Have you ever read Isaiah 53? Don't say yes or no. If you haven't, you need to read it today. Your Jewish friends, God might send you an encounter with a Jewish person. And they'll try to say, they'll try to twist Isaiah 53 to mean the nation of Israel, and there's no way you can twist that. And if you've seen, there's even been some young Jewish uh, converts that now are going on the streets of, of Israel and asking questions. Hey, have you read Isaiah 53? And they have. Who's he talking about? What's he talking about? Oh, it's a person. And then they introduce him to Jesus, going, I've never heard this. No one ever taught that because the Jewish rabbis will skip Isaiah 53 many times or try to twist it to make it sound like Israel instead of Jesus. If you read Isaiah 53, it is a picture without saying it. You can read it to someone who knows, who's lived in the South or someone that's been exposed to the Word of God in the North or someone out West or East. You can read the Word of God, Isaiah 53, without saying his name because his name's not mentioned there and the suffering servant is a picture there of Jesus Christ. This Ethiopian wanted to know the truth. Philip asked the biblical questions. Listen, I want you to see this. The Ethiopian asked questions that led him to the truth. And what did John 14, 6 say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Go with me to the book of John if you would. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Go right there with me. Under point number two, I want you to see this. I should have read this to you, but I read it for you. But even if you can expand, if you have a question about God's Word, God bless you, by the way, you have a, a question about the Word of God, always back up and read before it and go on ahead and read after it. Would you agree? If you have a misunderstanding, read it again. If you still don't understand it, read it again. Get godly help. Don't go to the commentators, right? Jay Vernon McGee, have you ever heard of him? He's an old Presbyterian minister. He says, listen, commentators are simply that, commentators. He's very country from Texas. He made me laugh when he said that, so. John chapter 6, verse 41. Let's read together the Jews. And I know I put 44 in your notes, but I want to go back to 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. Woo, is that a word for today for the church? Stop your murmuring, because your murmuring and your gossip is a sin, even if you do it with your fingers. That's texting, by the way, typing. Alright? If you murmur, you are sinning against God. Someone told me that, um, uh, someone told me, and, and this person might be watching, so I'll go and say it, because I'm going to go talk to him. Uh, I went over yesterday, saying, and, and, and I don't know if you heard that, uh, my sister's mother-in-law passed away this morning, and so a lot of heaviness this morning, and we've had the, uh, Brother George's funeral this week, and a lot of heaviness this week, and but yesterday we were sitting on the porch talking after we visited a while, sitting with family. Uh, niece fell off the porch. She's pregnant and hurt herself and had to go get them get rubbed out or massaged out. And the person comes in and is talking about uh, something about Town Creek. And they said, yeah, that pastor, he's so conservative. He doesn't bend at all. And they were talking negative about me. And so she's face down like this while the person's talking. And she looks up see talking, and he's talking. She says, you do know he's my uncle. And she said quickly, the conversation changed, and the person walked out. I have an appointment with that person. I need to go meet them tomorrow. This person is someone I care about. This is someone I believe is a Christian, but this person needs to shut their mouth, right, when it comes to me. Because they're hurting. They don't hurt me. Listen, you can say anything you want to say about me. Who are they hurting? The church of the living God. We're his bride. Listen, we're going to be the bride of Christ. We're right now with the body of Christ. And I've told you time and time again, you mess with my wife, you're going to find the old flesh of me coming up and rising up, right? I'm going to introduce you to myself, that who formerly was, if you mess with my wife. You insult my wife, I'm going to come and address it with you. If you hit my wife, you probably won't live to tell the story. Is that true? And that's just my wife, and I'm a sinful man, weak as I can be, old as I can be. But could you imagine messing with the bride of Christ? you messing with God's, with Jesus Christ's bride when you talk about the church of God. Imagine Philip being all ticked off. Man, back in Jerusalem, stupid Saul come down. He's, he's all complaining about the church of Jerusalem. They didn't even come with me. I had to go to Samaria by myself. I'm out preaching in Samaria. Ain't nobody helping me. And then God calls me down to this road in the middle of the desert. I don't have much water. Could you imagine the complaints that could happen? That we don't have a record that did happen? You know why? Because this man was full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. He was on mission with God. When Paul says, listen, and we use it as a football touchdown or a basketball three-point shot, or, or we ride on our tennis shoes, we mark it on our arms, we do all kinds of crazy things in athletics, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Right? Paul said, if you go back and read before, he said, I've been, listen, I've been on the high note, I've lived a high life, and I've lived with it. I had nothing. I had nothing. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You see the difference in context? No matter if it's good in life, it's poor in life. With Christ, you can do all things, not score a touchdown and say, hey, look, Philippians 4.13, or Philippians 4.13. It's not what it's about. It's about being in this life with Christ as your master, as your Lord and Savior. Let's go quickly. Number five, Philip gave the Ethiopian truth. He gave him what, church? He gave him Jesus. We today must preach Jesus. You and I must preach Jesus in faith in Christ alone. Listen, there is no other way. In Christ alone, there is no other way. By faith alone. Here's beautiful thing. The Ethiopian believed and was baptized. And how was he baptized? By immersion. Salvation by faith in Jesus must always precede baptism. You always become a believer before you're baptized. If you get baptized before you're a believer, you just got wet. I don't care how special it was. I don't care who did it for you. I don't care who the pastor was, who the ceremony was for. I don't care how much white lace you wore. I don't care if you were an infant. I don't care if it was crystal bowls. It doesn't matter if you were baptized. Before you became a believer, you just got wet. Same as jumping in a swimming pool on the deep end. That's all it was. The deep end could have been in the church. The deep end could have been in a pond. The deep end could have been in the ocean. You just got wet. Do you understand? You must be a born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and then after you accept Jesus as your Savior by faith in Christ alone by faith alone then you submit yourself for baptism and what is baptism hold your arm up like this I know it's silly and some people hate doing this they think it's so elementary and I'm watching I see all of you alright here we go salvation listen baptism is like this do you have you given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ meaning have you put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross And what did Jesus do on the cross? He died, (laughs) simple, this is elementary, he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he really was dead. We used to say when we were kids, he was dead dog dead, okay? You understand what that means? He was dead. When he died on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea went and asked for his body from Pilate, and he took his body, they wrapped it, and they what? Put it in the tomb. And three days later, just as the Lord said he would do, what happened? He rose again. So every time you see someone baptized, they are preaching. Listen, you're the one being baptized. You're preaching, listen, that Jesus Christ died for me. He was buried in three days. He rose again. He has eternal life. Therefore, I have eternal life because my faith and my trust is in Christ alone. Amen? It's a beautiful picture of his death, burial, and resurrection. Same as the Lord's Supper. When we take the Lord's Supper. What are we doing? Do this in remembrance of me. What do I remember he did? I remember he died on the cross. His blood was spilt for my transgressions. His body was broken, right, for my sins. Every time I take the Lord's Supper, every time I take that small cup, every time I take that cup, it reminds me that Jesus died for me, that Jesus rose from the dead he's alive today. It also does one more thing. It reminds me he's coming back again. Amen? By the way, I point that way because that's the eastern sky, and that's where he's going to split the eastern sky, he's coming back again church and I think it's soon, I'm excited this kind of gets me really going if you know what I mean number seven, after baptizing the Ethiopian Philip was called away by the Holy Spirit to his next God assignment here was his assignment not just was it the, the Ethiopian what was it, Philip's assignment, let's think through them hmm. number one, do y'all know from your Bible history or just what we preached if you've been here, what was his first assignment that we have record of Somebody know Shout it out if you know. It was a food fight in the church. True? Acts chapter 6. The hometown Jews and the out-of-town Jews that were coming back home, there was a complaint. You're not feeding our widows like you're feeding your widows. And we all the same people. Y'all ever seen a food fight at church? As a pastor, you see a lot of it. Back when we used to have uh, 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 potluck dinners, I used to let people, they'd always want to fix my plate. And if you ever let senior adult ladies fix your plate, that's why preachers are fat, especially in the Baptist church. Because if, if somebody, they'll give me a little bit of Miss Esther's food because they don't like Miss Esther's good or they think it's better, right? And give me a whole heaping of their food because their food tastes a whole lot better. But then somebody else comes and says, no, you didn't try my food. And they'll scoop out something and put it on my plate. By the time I walk down the place, it's looks, my goodness, the pastor is just a slob. He's overeating everything. It's because people put food on my plate. I've instructed my wife, if we ever go somewhere to eat, you fix my plate. And even she's overdone it time or two, right? Because she knows so-and-so made this. And, and people always say, well, I made that green bean casserole like it's from heaven or something, okay? Look, we have good food, right? I understand good food, I love good food. But if I don't want green beans, by the way, I- can I just make an honest statement for everybody? I despise green beans. <laughs> and for some reason, I get green beans with every meal and everybody puts green bean casserole. I just- green beans are just one of those food groups that I just wish didn't exist. I had to pick green beans when I was a kid on my hands and knees for a long, long time. I don't know if that's what it is. in rice, white rice. I just got, I'm, just going to come, I'm just confessing. We're not Catholic, but I'm confessing. I can't eat green beans and rice. I will eat them if I have a lot of gravy. Okay, I'll just if I cover them with gravy. Don't be insulted. But anyway, I, I, I'm digressing. But I want you to know the truth. <laughs> after ba- baptizing the number seven, after baptizing the Ethiopian Philip, he was called away by the Holy Spirit to his next God assignment. His first assignment was a food fight. There in Jerusalem, separate the the widows. Don't let the widows get in the fight. Feed them, feed them. That was his first assignment, right? Because he was a man full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. His next assignment was what? Pack it up. Here we go. Saul came to town and messed everybody up. Saul was killing people, arresting people. Stephen got uh, martyred, and then he shot up to Samaria. It was dispersed by God. God sent him from Jerusalem, food fights, up to Samaria to preach the word of God. Now God's sending him down to the road on South Desert Road he didn't know he was going to find this Ethiopian eunuch, but that's what his job was. Look what Philip did. One man. And by the way, some of your Bibles, just double-check it, because you know there was, there's four Philips in the Bible, if you look. Two of them were king's sons. They were bad guys. They were not good guys. All right, two Philips. Philip the Apostle, there was an actual apostle named Philip, and Philip the evangelist slash deacon. That's how we differentiate in the church who we're talking about. Some of your Bibles will tell you this was Philip the Apostle. This was not Philip the Apostle. This was Philip the Deacon, okay? I read Wendy's, my wife's Bible. She has a women's Bible study. Popped it up this morning. Just going to read different things as I got started this morning. And the commentary said it was Philip the Apostle. And I'm like, oh, that's not right. So make sure you, you know this, okay? This is Philip the, the Deacon Evangelist that's down preaching. So his assignment went from Jerusalem, Samaria, all the way down. A few, if, uh, this is terrible geography. Jerusalem's always up. Samaria's here, here. And he went down to Gaza. Now, you're going to see he goes up the coast. Watch this. Number eight. The Ethiopian went home what? Rejoicing. This is so key. Joy comes when people have a personal love relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Joy comes when you have a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see people like this all the time? It looks like my pastor used to say he's recovering from hookworm disease. Where's the joy? That's what you've got to ask. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my what? Why? You come to the place, it's because of Jesus. That's where we get the joy from. The Ethiopian, he's... He stoked. He read Isaiah 53. The word of God was implanted on his heart. He was drawn to God. By the way, I didn't finish reading John 6, but this is where the point comes from, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You will not come to Jesus on your own. You will only come to Jesus when he draws you to himself. What drew this Ethiopian eunuch to, themse- to Christ? It was the Spirit of God working with the word of God. you see the two? The Spirit of God and the word of God. Sometimes in the church, we're careful. If we're not careful, we we'll emphasize the word and get all legalistic. And some churches they emphasize the spirit and get all crazy, right? Like the Corinthian church, it was a crazy chaotic church. Take the two together: the spirit of God and the word of God leads us to faith in the Son of God, so that we might bring glory to God the Father. Do you understand? That's how it works. It's elementary. Number nine: Philip traveled north. He packed his bags. Where'd he go? The Spirit took him to Azotus, or Ashdod, if you if read in your Bible. Philip traveled north. He started at Gaza, and he goes up the coast all the way to Caesarea, if you read the Word of God there. He moves north of the Mediterranean coast. He preached Jesus all the way. And then number 10, the Ethiopian traveled. Which way did he go? He went south to preach Jesus of Isaiah 53, the Jesus of the New Covenant. Church history tells us he founded the Christian church in Ethiopia. Do You think Ethiopian Christians are excited today that this man had an encounter with Philip on the road, listen, to Gaza? Do you think they were excited? How about you today? Are you excited about your faith? Where'd you come from? Who's your daddy, right? What continent are you from? We have to come back and say, listen, these apostles, these deacons, these men turned the world upside down. And you and I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have faith today, we have faith because somebody was faithful. Somebody took the word somewhere to preach Jesus to somebody who in turn internalized that, received Christ, and turned back around and preached Jesus to somebody else. Philip's on his way ever. He's walking if He's got the, the Nike lights on heading up the, uh, the Mediterranean coast. He's preaching Jesus north. The Ethiopian's preaching Jesus south. Isn't that amazing? They're on their way, taking the word of God. Same message, preaching Jesus this way and that way. Will they ever meet again? By the way, they did meet again. It's not in the Bible, but I know they did. You know where they met? In heaven. Hey, Philip, what happened when you went up north, man? Let me tell you what happened to me in Caesarea. Well, let me tell you what happened to me when I went back to Queen Candace and told her what happened to me. The word got out because I not only did I have the word of God, I had the riches of heaven, I had the riches of Ethiopia. People listened to me because of my position. And then after they receive Christ, it's no longer about him, it's about who? Jesus. I don't care if you were led to Christ by a rich man, poor man, woman, boy or girl, a message on TV, a track. I don't care how you come to Christ. When you come to Christ, that's part of your story, but your story is always ends with, hey, but Jesus saved me. Amen? That's the story. It doesn't matter how you come or who you come by, who, who's on the way, that faithfulness will transfer to you. Look at the last four things we want you to see. Salvation is in Christ alone by faith alone. Get that in your heart and your head. Baptism is for believers. Baptism always follows belief in Christ. There is no other way. If you've done it any other way, you are disobedient to a holy God. Do you understand? You need to be baptized today. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. If you say, well, I accepted Christ later in life, but I was baptized as a kid, your story is broken. That is not a biblical story. You got it backwards. You must be born again And then you must be baptized. Do you understand? God will not change his order for you or for me. Number three, we must always look to, listen to, and obey God. Always look to, listen to, and obey God. And God is still at work around us, and we must join him. Is that true? He's at work today, church. There's a job going on. You say, well, in my career, okay, look, look for where he's at work. He's at work at your place. I've got some uh, we got a big plant in town and got I gotta tell you the truth. <laughs> Plutonium and tritium does not bother God. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that? Does that surprise you? These riots and all this stuff that's going on doesn't bother God to the place of like he's so upset. What is his plan? When we see that stuff, what do we do? It depends on where you're from, what your background is. You can jump in this camp and say, listen, that's right. You can jump in this camp and say, that's wrong those people, you can actually gripe and complain all you want to do but listen, what do all those people including that crazy officer did that to that man what what does everyone need they need Jesus Christ can God use the murder of a man to put a man in prison where he's isolated where a chaplain comes by and shares Jesus with that man yes, there's many people saved in prison I don't know how it's going to work out church, listen, but I ain't watching CNN from my direction, I'm not watching Fox News from my direction Bunch of talking heads and a bunch of nonsense to make money. That's all they're doing is making money and making you mad. That's all they're trying to do. So you'll watch next time and you'll watch the next time and many people are getting their worldview from stupid TV or from the radio. They're listening to what my thoughts are and disc jockeys on the radio, listen, many of them don't give two hoots about you. They'll talk about God. God's going to judge this. Not knowing they're not looking in the mirror of the word of God. God has already judged. This is judgment from God, by the way. Homosexuality, It's not when God's going to judge that, because he is. This is judgment from God. We have people killing babies. Listen, you want to talk about something that's absolutely hurting uh, the African-American community, hurting the white community, hurting the Hispanic community? We're killing babies by the thousands and calling it, listen, essential workers so they can kill babies because they want to and they make money. It was in the courts this week that they, they admitted in court, yes, we sell baby parts for profit. Does that bother anybody in this church? That should get you so upset. You're talking about when you want to tear something down. That makes me want to burn something down. You go kill innocent babies, and by the way, don't do that. You go kill innocent babies for profit. God forbid that we live in. This is the judgment of God that's on us now. And more judgment's coming. We read the Word of God. But listen, the truth is while it's so dark in our society tonight, one one story's true. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Sing with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. What we're going to do? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. How do you do it? The answer is, I don't know what God's calling you to do except make disciples of Jesus Christ. Your how, I don't know. Your what, I do know. is Jesus. Preach Jesus. You pick up trash, you're a doctor, you're a teacher, whatever you do, you're a homemaker, whatever you do, preach Jesus. Wherever you go, Share Jesus. That's the what. The how is between you and the Lord. Amen? But you've got to listen. The how is happening every morning. Every day there's a, there's a divine appointment for you. And most of us are walking like this. And I hear what the preacher said. God never talks to me. I've never been given a divine appointment. Did Philip know, go to this address? All he said was, go south. Right? The road's going this way. Philip, take off. It's like God saying, go to New Ellington today. Okay. No further. 50 miles. Go to Greenwood today, almost. And I pack up and start walking to Greenwood. Well, Lord, what am I looking for? Who am I looking for? Just go. I'm going to show you. And when I get to Greenwood, almost to Greenwood. He says, go to that car over there and knock on his window and say, hey, I didn't tell you about Jesus. You say, well, that'd be, that would just scare me to death. That'd make me unnerved. What do you think he wants you to do? That's called faith, right? Don't go up and just yell at somebody in their face, right? Go to the riders and go yell at the riders. You people! Right? If he didn't tell you to go, you might end up being a statistic. Is that true? But go to the people he calls you to. But you won't know who he calls you to until you look and ask him. You say, Lord, who is it? You've obviously given me the message. And by the way, go home and read Isaiah 53. Don't get caught this week without Isaiah 53 in your heart. Because I'm telling you, the devil will twist this around and try to send you a Jewish person to say, who do you think you are telling that Jesus Christ is the only way? You can take them straight to their Bible, right? To their Old Testament to Isaiah. I say, who's he's talking about? Don't get caught this week without reading reading Isaiah. I wouldn't leave today. I wouldn't leave church without reading Isaiah 53 if you've never read it before. You can go in the bathroom and read it quietly in case you haven't read it and you don't want nobody else to see. But read Isaiah 53. Because listen, it's speaking about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. We must preach Jesus to the nations. And it starts in our backyard. Amen? Philip started where? Where did Jesus say it was going to start? You will be my disciples. My witnesses where? In Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and listen to the Ends of the earth. You see it happening? Did he preach in Jerusalem? Did he go to Samaria and Judea? Did it did go to the ends of the earth through the Ethiopian? As they knew it, yes. God is faithful. His word was true. Let's pray. Father God, how much we love you today and thank you for your word. Lord, we know we have a calling on our life. Those that are lost and far from you don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, their calling as you draw them to yourself is to receive Jesus Christ by faith. Know that we know that we know that we're a Christian. Just like this Ethiopian eunuch, he was searching for the truth because you were drawing him and he's looking to your word and he doesn't have an answer. And Lord, you sent somebody, a preacher. You sent somebody alongside of him to give him the word of God, like it says in Romans chapter 10. How will they know without a preacher? How will they go unless they're sent? And Philip was sent. Father, thank you for drawing us to yourself. And thank you for that beautiful gift of salvation. I think of for this beautiful picture of this man coming from to worship, leaving empty and coming back home with joy. He didn't talk about a Jerusalem worship experience. He talked about a South Desert Road experience where he met Jesus for the first time. And he had joy, an ending joy in his heart. Father, how we rejoice today. Save that person that's near his hell today. Lord, for us as Christians, if we've accepted Christ and never been baptized, Lord, convict our hearts that it is true. Your word says it's true, and we must be obedient to your word. And Father, finally, let us look and listen and obey you when you speak. Help us, Lord, to look around where you're at work around us. You're right there in our families, and you're right there in our neighborhoods. You're right there in our workplace, in the school. You're right there online. Lord, help us be faithful and bold in our faith. Father, we beg you, we pray you this. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.